But uh, 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 why fast and pray? And of course, uh, what we're going to do, we're going to focus a little bit more on the fasting part than the praying part, even though we're going to go ahead and hit both. But I believe that I can impart some things into you tonight that are going to be real significant. And I'll tell you what, glory to God, you are going to go ahead and stay awake with me tonight. I know it's Wednesday night. I know uh, I, I've had me a day. I know you have too. I even had to go to the dentist today. You know, got my, got my pearls polished today. You know, praise the Lord. But uh, 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 I, I believe God's going to go ahead and speak some real good things to our hearts tonight. First of all, let me say this. Why fast and pray? I put it like this. Greater sensitivity for greater accuracy. Greater sensitivity for the purpose of greater accuracy. Uh, being accurate in the spirit and when it comes to, to our, uh, what we're hearing from God and, and also uh, 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 you know, the, that, that dimension of being able to be tuned in to the Spirit of God in our spirit and, and set aside the, the distractions that come. You know, greater accuracy comes from greater sensitivity. And you increase your sensitivity to your spirit man, your spirit being, during a time of fasting and prayer. Because when you fast and pray the right way, you're not just on a hunger strike. If you're just skipping meals, you are missing the benefit. The, the real God way of doing this is that when you are fasting and praying, that, that at that same time, time that you would spend either preparing food, eating food, or thinking about food, yeah, you're getting some food, but you're not getting natural food. You're getting the food for your spirit, which is the Word of God. You're spending time with God. So time that would otherwise be occupied with food is occupied with the things of God. Time that would otherwise be occupied with television can be occupied with the things of God. Now, life does not stop. There's some things that you need to do. If you got a baby, diapers need to be changed. Oh, Lord, yeah. You know, if you got children, uh, you know, children need to be tended to and taken care of. You know, uh, uh, you know, life goes on. We understand that. But the thing is, is that if you can go ahead and find some things that I would usually do, that I'm not going to go ahead and do that. I'm going to go ahead and be able to replace that with time that, that is spent on the Lord and focused on Him. That's the way you get the maximum benefit out of it. Otherwise, you, you just lost weight one day and that's about it. But thank God you can get, get the benefit of, uh, of, of fasting God's way when you're replacing the time that you would usually spend on those natural things and be able to spend that time on spiritual things. Amen. And one thing that you really need to get about fasting and prayer, and this is as basic and elementary as I can get, this does not change God. This changes us. Oh, smile somebody. This does not change God. This changes us. And how significant is it? Praying. Fasting. What does it do? We're going to go ahead and, and dig into this. 
Uh, first of all, let's go ahead and uh, check out Matthew 26. You know, Jesus asked his disciples to watch and pray with him. And, and, and based on what you can tell about the context, it was the, the end of the day. You know what happens at the end of the day? The eyes get heavy, you know. You, you try toothpicks at first, and it's like, well, those broke. Now I need metal toothpicks, and you know, then you're bending metal. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but, 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 but it was the end of the day, but Jesus gave them a specific instruction. He said, watch and pray with me. And he said to do it because, you know, if they were to do it, they would not enter into temptation. Let's read it together. Matthew 26, starting with verse 36. It says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me, unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Now think about this. That, that in the moment where Jesus really wanted some support, Jesus really was asking them to, shall we say in this case, fast some sleep. The same principle, where where we're going to see, because when it comes to fasting, the Lord is not asking you to give up something that is wrong and sinful. When it comes to fasting, you're temporarily giving up for the purpose of God and the things of God something that is actually not a bad thing for you. Something that in its proper context is a good thing for you. Like sleep is a good thing for you. But when you're being called to pray, sleep is not the thing that you ought to be doing at that time. And I think we see that principle real clearly here, is that Jesus called them to watch with him. You can't watch with your eyes shut, you know what I'm saying? Jesus used that term watch and pray on multiple occasions. And so that would have been a sacrifice at the end of a long, hard day to watch and pray. Hang in there with me. Don't drift on me. Stay with me. But they allowed themselves to drift. And why did Jesus say such a thing? He said, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. So really what Jesus was saying is that if you, if you hang with me here and watch with me here, 
This will do you good when temptation comes. If you don't, then temptation's going to come and it's going to be very easy for you to whoop, slip right on there. Are you seeing that tonight? You got to understand this, that bringing the body into subjection is vital to staying on the right track. Very vital. And that our spirit, you know, we're a three-part thing, spirit, soul, and body. Paul said, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, I pray, God, that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So your spirit should be the dominant one in your lives and not your body. The, the order of things is not for us to go through our lives with our body telling our spirit the way it's going to be, but our spirit telling our body the way it's going to be. Paul said it so beautifully over in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27, when he says, but I discipline my body. Well, first of all, who's I? I discipline my body. Who's I? That's the spirit. The spirit disciplines the body. That's God's order of things. It's not the body telling the spirit how things are going to be. It's the spirit telling the body and the spirit telling the mind how things are going to be. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. One of the best ways that you can remind your body who is boss is through a time of prayer and fasting. Mm -mm -mm. Praise the Lord, somebody. Hallelujah. And as I said before, and I want to say this again because this is very important, that it is clear that we should stay away from things that are sinful and wrong. However, fasting implies a staying away from something that is not sinful and wrong. Eating in itself is not wrong. But when you're going into an intentional time of seeking God and telling your body to shut up because you need to be more aware of spiritual things than physical stuff. And you know the answer you need is not here in the physical, it's there in the spirit. So you need to get yourself in a position where you're more aware and more sensitive to the things of the spirit. That, that, that's a point where even though eating is a good thing to do, at that point there, we can do without it for, for a day. Or a few days. No, nobody's telling you here to go on a 40-day fast. Besides Jesus, the only other one that I can think of immediately who, who did that, what was Moses, and he was in the, the cloud of the glory of God on top of the mountain. You, you can probably get by with some things when you're in the cloud of the glory of God. So uh, we're not talking about doing something far out and crazy, but, but here's, here's the case. There, this is a time where, where Pastor John has felt in his spirit the need to have a corporate fast where, where, where the church is joining together and, and, and doing this together. However, God will stir up your heart at certain points and times with the need for you to do that on a personal level. And when you do that on a personal level, then you can remember the words of Jesus. Where you don't say, drag yourself into work. <laughs> say, you know, I, I know I don't look so good today because I was up praying all night and been fasting for three days. And, you know, Jesus said, don't be bragging about it because if, if so, that's all the reward you're going to get. Don't be like the hypocrites, Jesus said. 
But 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 you you see in in uh, uh, the, the 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 right approach to to prayer and fasting is is keeping your focus on the Lord for the sake of maintaining a a keen and alert spirit. And in some cases, well, to maintain, you need to already have something. Sometimes you just need to develop keenness and alertness in your spirit. Sometimes you become dull. And, and th- this is a good way to say, body, we're going to go ahead and shut up for a few days. Uh, because, you see, you, your body likes to be fed. Your flesh likes to be fed, likes to be entertained. You, 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 may, you may go ahead and, uh, one, be able to watch your favorite show or listen to your favorite thing on the radio. But, but you're saying, no, 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 no. I, I need God more than I need that. Especially this time of year when the home team's about to be in the Super Bowl and, and you want to listen to some extra sports radio and deal with the paralysis of analysis for two weeks where all they're doing is talking about a game that ain't even happened yet and one game that already did happen. I'll tell you what, there, there, there was a time in my life where I, I tended to tune into more sports radio, but I got to tell you, those days are done. You know, not, not, not that not that something is not all right in moderation, but I I gotta tell you, well, when you draw close to God, you 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 just get to the point where you say, you know, there's some things that just don't mean so much anymore, and that's all right. Praise the Lord. By the way, we're fasting on February third, Sunday, February third, from about noontime all the way to midnight. We're fasting. I'm just playing with you. Someone's. Put down your rocks. You don't have to stone me now. For those of you that didn't get that, that's Super Bowl Sunday. A lot of people eat good food on Super Bowl Sunday. Lord, help us. All right. So, so talk about fasting for the purpose of keeping a focus on the Lord and maintaining a keen and alert spirit. This might be a strange verse to you, but we're going to go ahead and check something out. We're going to take a look at a verse that gives an example of someone who could marry, but actually opts not to marry so they could put their full focus and attention on the Lord, which is a good example of this principle because marrying is not wrong. Marrying is certainly not wrong. God initiated it in one particular way. He initiated it. Man, man initiated some other things, but, but if you want to know God's initial intent, you go back to the beginning read Genesis. Amen. Uh, but but, but it, it shows us something here. It shows us that, that you, you can go ahead and, and, and make a decision to really dedicate yourself to the Lord in a certain way. And we're going to go ahead and check this out. This is 1 Corinthians 7, verse 34 and 35. Uh, Paul said, there's a difference between a wife and a virgin. He said, the unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and spirit. But she who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper, and that you may serve the Lord without distraction. And the reason I read that is to get to that last line, serve the Lord without distraction. So you see, it's, it's just an obvious thing that a woman who is married is not able to totally attend to the Lord without distraction because she got a husband who's going to want her attention and she's got children who wants her attention. The flip side of that, a man who is married 
is not able to totally attend to the Lord without distraction because he's got a wife that needs his attention and he also has children that need attention. But I want you to realize this, that there's a principle here, is that when, when you're setting aside time for the Lord and, and, and you're, you're, you're setting aside food, which is one of the number one things you can go a few days without, and some other things that may usually be part of your life that you say, you know what, for this time where I'm consecrating myself and focusing on the Lord, I don't need to have that for a few days. I can go without that. And it puts you in a position where even, even, even if for a few days, it puts you in that position where you also can attend to the Lord without distraction. Or minimize the distractions. You know what I'm saying by that? And, and th- that, that's a beautiful thing because in a moment like that, it gets you to the place where your sensitivities increase to spiritual things. It, it gets you to a place where the, the ears of your heart are more tuned in to be able to hear God. It's not that you can't hear God when you're going through life and eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But there's some sometimes where, where you need to be much more keen and much more alert, especially when there's some stuff going on. You know what I mean? Stuff going on. Uh, there's times that you need more than just the, the, that daily routine of, uh, of being led by the Spirit and that, that little gentle nudge to do this or gentle nudge to do this. So sometimes you say, Lord, I'm just in a place where we're really focusing on some life and death stuff here. Some stuff that's going to not just affect today, but affect the future as well. And I need to know some stuff. I need to know some clear answers from God. Hallelujah. And also, as we go into this a little bit further, we see examples of people going into a mode of fasting and prayer during times of crisis and danger. Crisis and danger. Second Chronicles 20, 1 through 4, you see King Jehoshaphat uh, being in one of those situations. Second Chronicles 20, 1 through 4, it says it happened after that of uh, the people of Moab, Moab with the people of Ammon, and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hezazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed to fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. So verse 3, Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Why? Because there was a national crisis going on. So there's times of crisis and danger where you see the reaction of people in Scripture is not just praying, but fasting and praying. Look at Nehemiah. And uh, we could read more than this to, to, uh, to get the full context of this. As a matter of fact, Nehemiah chapter 1 also records not just the fact that he fasted and prayed, but the prayer that he prayed. But, but we, we, we don't have time to get into all of it. Nehemiah 1, the words of Nehemiah, uh, the son of Hakaliah, it came to pass in the month of Chislev in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan the citadel that Hannah and I, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. 
And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Here's a situation where this city of the great king, Jerusalem, for which Nehemiah had, Nehemiah had such heart and such passion, when he found out the condition of the city, it broke his heart. And he immediately went into a, a, a zone of, of fasting and praying. And if you read the rest of the chapter, you get to see the wonderful uh, uh, things that he prayed out during that time. Uh, Queen Esther, we're not going to go there right now, but if you go ahead and check out the, uh, the, the fourth chapter of uh, Esther, you, you, you see that uh, she was in a position where she had to go before the king and, and uh, uh, shall we say, foil the plan that, that was uh, hatched against her people and make the king aware of it. However, it was against the protocol of the day for her, even though she was queen, to go in to see the king uninvited. But somebody had to tell him. And so it was a situation where she said, I'm going to fast, and I want all my maids around me to fast. And then after three days of fasting, I'm going to go before the king. And she said, if I perish, I perish. But this is what we got to do. But I got to tell you, as a result of that time of fasting, what happened is that she went before the king. The king held up his scepter which he needed to do, because if he didn't do that, then Esther was going to lose her head. But thank God she had favor with the king, was able to come in, foil the plan of the enemy, and the people of God were saved. But it has its roots in a time of fasting, in a time of danger. Fasting in a time of crisis and danger. Talk about danger. Let's look at some of the danger Paul was in in Acts chapter 27. Um, you know, he was uh, on the ship, and, and uh, you know, he just knew that, that it wasn't a good idea to go ahead and take this particular trip, this particular route. But <laughs> you're just a preacher. What do you know about anything? So, <laughs> verse 20, let's pick up there. Acts 27:20 20 says, Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, that means it was a big tempest, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. Verse 21. But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them. You know what a long abstinence from food is? That's called a fast. <laughs> then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and uh, incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe, God, that it will be just as it was told me. Aren't you glad tonight that we have the opportunity to fast and pray, to turn the tide and change things in the middle of crisis and danger? Hallelujah. Thank God for that. As a matter of fact, uh, you, you know, somebody here tonight 
Maybe at a place where you've been facing some serious crisis and maybe even danger in some ways. And that's the one thing you haven't done. But the Lord would say to you tonight that if you do it, it'll work. Oh, hallelujah. I feel the presence of God right now. Somebody needs to take heed to the word of the Lord. Whoever that is, take heed to the word of the Lord. Fasting and praying will work and will break through even crisis and danger. Hallelujah. How about this? Why fast and pray? How about transitions and decisions? Transitions and decisions. Are you ready? You know, over in the book of Ezra, we see this one little verse. It's uh, Ezra 8, verse 21. And it says, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before God to seek from Him the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. Proclaimed a fast to humble ourselves before God to find out what? To seek from Him the right way. Somebody say decisions. (laughs) The right way for us, the right way for our little ones, and the right way for our possessions. Amen. So so, uh, that's a good example right there of uh, fasting when when coming to a time of needing to make a significant decision. Even Jesus did that. Jesus, look at this. Look at the prayer life of Jesus and his time of prayer, even when it came to calling his disciples. This is significant. Luke chapter 6, verse 12 and 13. And just so you know, this does not specifically mention fasting, but it talks about a significant time spent in prayer. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. How many of you have ever done that before? I won't look. But Jesus prayed all night. Verse 13. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself. And from them he chose twelve whom he also named apostles. So think about the fact that Jesus, before picking the twelve, the famous twelve, he spent all night praying. And here we are making all kind of life decisions. And being so flippant about it in some ways. Rather than seeking the face of God because, oh, if I got one chance to get it right, I need to get it right. And if, I need, if I'm going to get this right, then I need to go get instructions from the one who knows everything. The one who sees into the future and can show me things to come. Because I'm, I'm not there yet. I don't know what's coming. He's already been there because he inhabits eternity. So therefore, I'm going to talk to the one who's already been to the future so I know, can, can know what to do right now. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, now, what we're going to look at here, and this is really significant, this is a, 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 a practice when it came to ministers who were transitioning 
either transitioning into ministry for the first time or transitioning from one ministry into another. A time of prayer and fasting that really set that up. Acts 13, 1 through 3. 1 through 3. Let me talk right. Especially when you talk for a living, you should talk right. Uh, uh, Verse uh, 1, Now in the church there was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, uh, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. We better know him as Paul. Verse 2, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Now, that is very significant because you see there that out of a time of ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Lord transitioned some guys. Because in verse 1 you see them called prophets and teachers. But the Holy Spirit said, it's time to separate them. In verse 2, he said, separate them to the ministry to which I have called them. And the ultimate ministry to which Saul was called. Not, Not that he was never in the prophetic zone ever again, and not that he was never teaching ever again. But the ultimate call that God had on the apostle Paul, or Saul as he's called here, was to be an apostle. So you see, fasting and praying was the catalyst that allowed an openness and a sensitivity to the voice of the Holy Spirit that now was the time to make a transition. Glory to God. Somebody's getting it tonight. Somebody's getting it tonight. Because this, that's a good example of a transition in ministry. And we're going to look at another example of that in a minute in Acts 14. But this does not only have to do with transitions in ministry. Any kind of transitions going on in life. I tell you, a time of fasting and prayer, can, 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 uh, ministering to the Lord, getting into the zone with God, can put you in such a position to be able to hear clearly the voice of the Spirit. Because you see, this had to do with timing. Not just the what. Not just the what Saul was supposed to be in his ultimate calling. But also the timing. The Holy Spirit said, separate unto me now, or separate now unto me. So that's not just talking about him being transitioned into what his ultimate calling, but the Holy Spirit also said, now's the time to do it. So we don't just need to know from God what, what the ultimate move is that needs to be made, uh, but we also need to know the timing of the Holy Spirit. And in a time of fasting and praying, ministering to the Lord, getting into the zone with God. Someone said, what does ministering to the Lord mean? Well, you, well, you know, if, if you're ministering to the Lord, I look at it like this. As though, though you were a server at his table, and you said, what can I do for you? How can I serve you? I'm here for all your needs. Anything you need, I'm here for you. Because the idea of uh, being a minister is being a servant. The idea of being a minister is just that way. I mean, you know, the, using the term minister for a waiter or waitress 
is really not a far-fetched connection. So imagine you're waiting on the Lord and saying, how can I serve you? What can I get for you? What can I do for you? And in a moment like that, where you're totally open to him, and your mind's not on you, and your mind's not on... (laughs) I was going to say, your mind's not on Pookie, whoever Pookie is. I haven't used that name in a long time. But, but, but what a great opportunity to just focus on the Lord and to go ahead and, and, and nothing else is there to distract you. You're not allowing anything else in. And then you are able to pick up not just the what to do, but the timing to do it. Glory to God forever. Hallelujah. Acts 14. Check this out. I need to help you forget about Pookie real quick. Otherwise, we'll get, get out of the zone here. Verse 21. <laughs> and when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and saying, We must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, They commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So once again, here, when it comes to appointing elders in every church, what was involved in this? Praying and fasting. Praying and fasting. And they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So once again, these elders who who had just been appointed, so this is some big-time transition. These guys are really going into the ministry for the first time. They weren't elders before this. But they're being uh, transitioned into a position of being elders in the church. And, and, and really, in the biblical understanding of that, uh, the, the, they were really leading those churches. And, and how, how was that transition made? How, how was the, the sensitivity of the Spirit of God there to know who, to know who was ready, to know who still needed to stay in the cooker for a little while? Praying and fasting. Hallelujah. By the way, and I'm going to skip over Acts 10, but I, I want to make this statement, though. Remember a guy, an Italian guy in Acts chapter 10 named Cornelius? Cornelius, even though not yet a believer, was fasting and praying. And talk about a transition that was brought on by his fasting and praying. Let me tell you the transition that came on because of his fasting and praying. Because of his fasting and praying, there was such a shift in the church where Gentiles who previous to that we're not thought of in, in the same light. We're not thought of that they could actually be saved like the Jewish people could. Who weren't thought of as though they could be filled with the Holy Spirit too like the Jewish people could. But that man was used by God to be the first of many more to come and blaze the trail that, hey, salvation is not just for the Jews. Salvation is for the Gentiles as well. That's a pretty major transition. And how was that initiated? That was initiated because there was a praying and fasting man. Hallelujah. Now, let's go ahead and focus in on this as we close out. The God kind of fast. So, so we, we, we see this here. We, we see the importance of, uh, you know, just kind of taming your flesh and, and uh, getting to a point of greater sensitivity so you can have greater accuracy. 
and fasting in times of a, a crisis and danger, and also the aspect of, uh, of fasting when it comes to uh, 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 times of transition. But, but the God kind of fast. I, 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 this last point, I call it that. I don't know what else to call it, but it's so beautifully described in Isaiah 55. And I want to go ahead and take a look at this so that we can really get behind uh, and get a hold of the essence of what God wants a fast to accomplish. And if, it, if it's not accomplishing what God wants, then, then God's not in it. God wants certain things accomplished through fasting. And he, said, he just spells it out real clear. Isaiah 58, 5 through 7. And it says this, is it a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush or to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? And then God goes on, is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out when you see the naked that you cover them and hide not yourself from your own flesh? Pretty amazing words, huh? I want to tell you this, that as you look at this, you see really a, a twofold nature to God's kind of fast. First of all, one where the bonds are loosed and the burdens are undone and the oppressed are going free. So so you see a zone of uh, of people really being being freed uh from from the bonds of wickedness and the burdens that have held them back and the oppression that's held them back, but then you also see that even practical life needs being met. You don't have clothing, you got clothing. You don't have bread, you got bread. And God says that's the kind of fast that he's into. So we're going to look at both of those points as we study the God kind of fast in these last few minutes. So that God wants to accomplish two things with his, his kind of fast. The, the, uh, the setting free of people that are in bondage and the meeting of their needs. You can really categorize it in just those two simple ways. The, the setting free of people who are in bondage and the meeting of their needs. Now, when it comes to this terminology, you see God saying, It's not this the fast I've chosen to loose the bonds of the wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke. Sounds very familiar. That's anointing terminology. Isaiah ten twenty seven. <laughs> it shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. Pretty significant. Hallelujah. So you see, when God's kind of fast is going on, that means that there's the anointing at work that, that destroys yokes because that's what God's fast is intended to do. And, and burdens are taken away and removed because that's what God's anointing is intended to do. So when you are doing a fast God's way, these are the kind of results that you're looking for in your life and in the lives of those around you. Hallelujah. 
Now, who exemplified this better than Jesus? And I'm probably going to skip over a few verses here uh, just, just to let the sound booth know. And uh, we'll, we'll catch up in a few minutes. But uh, uh, you, you know that Jesus, when he started his ministry, you know how he started it? He got baptized in the River Jordan. And then he went out in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil for 40 days. And during that time, he was fasting. Isn't that right? And then after that fast, Jesus started his ministry. Isn't that right? Now, the, the ministry of Jesus, do you think that people were having their needs met? During the ministry of Jesus? I'd say so. Remember those, those, those loaves and fishes? That just didn't happen once. That happened at least twice. The scripture mentions two specific times. One with 5,000 and one with 4,000. So you see the natural needs of people being met. You also see this. And this is subtle. This is over in the Gospel of John uh, 13. Uh, 27 to 29, when, when Jesus looked over to Judas and said, what you do, do quickly. See, the guys didn't figure out what, was that, what, what that was all about right away. The scripture says that they suppose that, that Jesus was telling them to go ahead and take care of something that had to be done in preparation for the feast, the Passover feast. Or they suppose that he might be sending them out to go ahead and give something to the poor. So think about that, that giving to the poor would be such a, a regular part of, of Jesus' ministry that, that when Jesus told the treasurer to go ahead and do something quickly, that they just automatically assumed that it had something to do with giving to the poor. So you see that as being a part of Jesus' ministry. Therefore, we see that as being a part of the fast that God has chosen. See that? See that connection? But what about the anointing and what about yokes being broken and, and, and burdens being removed and, and, and oppression being removed and all those other things that, 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 that were under that category? Well, take a look at this. This is beautiful. This is Luke chapter 4. And this is what happened to Jesus after he returned from that 40-day fast. Verse 14, it says, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And news of him went throughout all the surrounding region, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he'd opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. It's amazing. You look at the wording of what Jesus said that, that he was anointed to do, and you see some of the very same wording right there in Isaiah 58. Because you see him preaching good news to the poor, and you see him sending, uh, 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 sending the, the oppressed and those who are bound by yokes and, and, and bound by burdens, setting them free. Glory to God. Yeah, amen. Hallelujah. So the fast that God has chosen, when, when you see 
God's kind of results, what are you looking for? People being free and having their needs met. People being free and having their needs met. And how is this done? You also see this. You see the connection between God's kind of fast, that wording, and the clear wording that describes what the anointing is and does. You also can think of Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed. <laughs> yeah. So you see this connection that, 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 that when, when we're fasting and praying God's way and we're focused on Him and we're focused on His plan and His heart and what He wants to do, then one thing's going to happen is that your heart's going to change and you're not going to be all about you, you, and your stuff and what you got to do. No, your, your heart for others and meeting the needs of others is going to be, be, expand on you. Because you can't help but get close to him and have his heart rub off on you. Come on. So you see that. And then besides that, the very same anointing that we read about in Isaiah and that we read about here in the ministry of Jesus is not a stranger to you. As a matter of fact, the very last verse we got to look at tonight, and the very beginning of this verse, it's 1 John 2 and verse 27, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. So you, when we're fasting and praying, when we're going after God, when we're setting aside stuff that, that would otherwise distract us to really get His heart, to really go ahead and get in His flow and remove distractions out of the way, what happens at that point in time? You put yourself in a position where the anointing which you have received from Him can flow through you and flow out of you at maximum. Glory to God. Where, where things that would otherwise clog the flow or try to hinder the flow are moved out of the way. And you're in a position where God can just flood himself out of you into your situation and into the lives of others for whom you may be fasting and praying. Glory be to God. There's something that just gets unleashed. It's there all the time. It's in you. But glory to God, think about this, that when we set aside distractions, we get so focused into the very thing that was in there all along. In there all along, but now we get the full maximum benefit of it because we remove the distractions. We remove the things that were trying to sidetrack us and not let us get 100% of, of everything God wanted us to get out of what he has put in you in the anointing. Now, I don't know if you've connected those dots with me, but i got to tell you, if not, listen to this again. Because this is talking about God getting out of you just some amazing, amazing treasures that are already inside of you as a believer. But for you to get the maximum benefit by telling your flesh to shut up for a while because there's a zone that I want to get into where we're, that's better than this zone. Better than the end zone, somebody. Hey, hey. And we like the end zone, but it's better than the end zone. It's better than your end zone dance, somebody. Come on. You'll really be dancing when you get into God's zone and see God's kind of results. Are you hungry tonight? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's pray. Father, we honor you. We are so hungry for you and desirous for everything you've got. I thank you in the name of Jesus that you're settling this word into the heart of all of us here tonight. 
You've got so much for us. We want it all. We want it all, Lord. We want it all. And I thank you, Father, that that as we uh, set our hearts to seek you, set our hearts to go after you, and set aside the distractions, Lord, that we can get into a place uh, of seeing the, uh, the, the, the Holy Spirit speak things very expressly and clearly to us so that we can know not just what needs to be done, but when it needs to be done. We can have the what and the timing, the direction and the timing. And, Lord, that we can go ahead and, and, and see the, the fast that you've ordained manifesting not just in our lives, but in the lives of those for whom we pray. That, that Lord, that their bonds are broken and their needs are met. That is so your heart. That is so what you're all about. And I thank you, Lord, that in this day, in this day, in this season of drawing close to you in a way like never before, that we're going to see those very things in manifestation. If you're here tonight...